from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's hour number three of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. It is officially midnight Pacific, and that means everyone out here in the continental 48 states is now on a Sunday, which means it is an NFL Sunday for all. So we're going to be taking a look at these two NFC and AFC championship games. I'm going to give you guys my picks and analysis on both of these. Got a player prop or two that I'm going to be taking a look at as well. I don't dive as much into player props, but we're certainly having a couple leans on those. And then whatever time we have remaining, which will probably be the final segment, we're going to be diving into a few other college basketball games. I'm going to be refreshing in case you missed it the last hour. What I'm looking at with regards to the DK Nation play of the day with regards to what I'm going to be giving out there. So we've got a lot that is going to be going down in this final hour. And good to be able to have an NFL Sunday on this one as well. Because next Sunday, I think we still have the Pro Bowl, if that is still a thing. If it's not, well... We're not missing out on anything, I can tell you that right now. It's not necessarily as prime as it's been in past years, and yet it's still going to generate really good ratings because it is football. But with that said, how about if we look at games that are a tad bit more important and are going to be a tad bit more competitive and rambunctious? We're going to be starting with the AFC Championship game. This is the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to face off against Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs, relatively across the board, I'm seeing sevens. I'm seeing a few straight seven ass, but... With the seven, you're going to be finding a lot of places that just be right around minus 115, minus 120. And your Toronto's game, it is 54 and a half. We want talking about these playoff games in the first hour. Taylor Mathis does a terrific job over there with the Superbook. So big thanks to her for joining me in the first hour of this show. But when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that they should be able to get the job done. I think that Joe Burrow is really going to have a tremendous future in the NFL. I think that he is going to be tremendous for many years to come. But the man that is Mr. Right now, that'd be Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has been absolutely tremendous here in the postseason. The game that we wound up seeing the Chiefs play against the Buffalo Bills, one of the best games that I think any of us have really ever seen. He did wind up having one interception in that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I mean, that's really the only interception that he's thrown in the last five games, really since Christmas. So he's been able to do a great job of being able to button it down after he wound up having that little bit of a rough start to the season. The Chiefs have been able to reinvent themselves. Guys like Eric Bieniemy behind the scenes have done a terrific job of being able to get this offense to 
be able to adapt because we noticed that a lot of defenses, they were keying in on the big plays with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they were able to just go with the flow with regards to this. They were able to do a nice job of being like, you know what, we need to change things up a little bit more, and they were able to do so. I do think what is going to be key for the Chiefs as well is to be able to attack the Bengals on the ground as well. They've got a little bit of vulnerability there, and I do think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to need to go out there and have a relatively solid game, and I think that he's going to be able to do so. In the game that we wound up seeing last week against the Buffalo Bills, he didn't wind up finding the end zone on the ground, and he was rather limited, but I mean, seven carries for 60 yards, just him being able to get those nice chunk plays, what I think is really big with regards to Chiefs is not necessarily him being able to go out there and be like a 100-yard rusher or anything like that, but when you wind up having those plays that you wind up getting like five yards on first down, you wind up being able to get like four yards on a second down to set up like a third and one. Maybe you wind up moving the chains on that, but those runs, they wind up just causing the defense to respect the run a little bit more. It sets up a little bit more play action as well. So I do think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be someone that you want to be taking a look at in this game. His player prop right now at DraftKings is 37 half. I don't like the fact that it's minus 125 juice. I'd be looking to try to get like even an unjuice like 40 or something like that because I just wanted to reduce the juice on that one. But I think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire should be able to go out for 50 plus yards. The seven carries for 60 yards that we wound up seeing against Buffalo. I think that that's something that we could wind up seeing duplicate itself. I recognize that towards back half of the regular season wasn't necessarily doing as much for the scene, but I think a little bit of that is because he was banged up and he looked about as healthy as I've seen him all season long in that last game. So I do think that that is something that is very important to take a look at. And then when it comes to the flip side for these Cincinnati Bengals, I know that Taylor, who we wound up having on the show in the first hour, I know that she was looking at a couple of player props and certainly I don't think that Jamar Chase is going to go off for 250 yards like we wound up seeing the first time around with regards to what we wound up seeing. That was just absolutely ridiculous. But what she was taking a look at was Tyler Boyd over three and a half receptions. And I think that this is a relatively good look. It's not something that I'm going to be betting personally, but you take a look at Boyd and he's been able to give the team at least four receptions in two out of the last three games. And he's played in for this team. A little bit more of a possession wide receiver. Not necessarily a guy that's going to be taking the top off of defense at the very least what we've been seeing in recent weeks. But he is a guy that does a good job of being able to hold it down for this team. When you wind up having a third and five, he's able to be a good secondary option to what we've got with Jabbar Chase because, I mean, the chase Burrow connection, you go all the way back to college. It is tried. It is proven. These two guys are absolutely tremendous. And when it comes to Joe Burrow himself, you've got to love what you've been able to see out of this guy. He didn't wind up necessarily putting up, like, the numbers that we wound up seeing a few weeks ago against the Kansas City Chiefs, against the Tennessee Titans. And as a matter of fact, he wound up getting sacked nine times in this game. And that's a big reason why I am taking a look at the Chiefs in this spot and willing to lay the touchdown is because I do think that the Chiefs are going to be able to get home on Joe Burrow. Now, I think that there are a lot of people that they're looking at some of these props and they're throwing out their north of a sack for some of these guys on the Kansas City Chiefs. And no individual on the Chiefs is going to get more than one sack in this game. I mean, I'm just going to call it what it is. The Bengals are not going to allow nine sacks like they did last week. With that said, could I see four sacks for the Chiefs? Absolutely. I do think that the Chiefs are going to be able to get in. I think that they're going to be able to put pressure on Joe Burrow, and I think that they're going to be able to get a couple sacks. Even if there aren't sacks, there's going to be, as they always like to call it, quarterback hurries and things like that. So I certainly do think that it is going to be a Chiefs offensive line that is going to have a tough time against this front seven of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I do think that that is certainly going to be coming into play, and 
with regards to Burrow, the interception he wound up throwing against the Tennessee Titans, really the only interception that he's thrown since the beginning of December. So he's been able to do a nice job of being able to lock down. He wound up having his, his interception wolves towards the beginning part of the season. In the last five games, he has thrown just one of them. That's regular season and postseason combined. So you do give him a lot of credit for being able to button up there. And when it comes to the secondary of the Chiefs, it seems as though Tyron Matthews should be good to go in this one. That is something that I was tracking a little bit earlier because he was going through concussion protocols. So he needs to be cleared by an independent person or however they want to phrasing it because he was making progress throughout the week. Seems like he should be set to play in this game. So that is going to be a big advantage for this Kansas City Chiefs team trying to be able to hold things out because I do think that Tyron Matthew is really the most important player on defense. I know that this is up for debate. You've obviously got players like Chris Jones along with Frank Clark up there in that front seven. And obviously Anthony Hitchens, when you wind up having the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker, that is always so important. But I mean, what Tyron Matthews is able to do in that secondary, I think is nothing short of significant. But I do think that it's going to be a Chiefs team in which they are going to be able to do a solid job here because when it comes to the Chiefs, they weren't necessarily a team that got a ton of sacks during the regular season, but they were a team that they were able to force quite a few turnovers. I was mentioning it a little bit earlier. The Chiefs' numbers for the entirety of the season, I think are a little bit deceiving because in the first five games of the season, I think the Chiefs allowed fewer than 30 points to just one of them, and they were on pace to be a historically bad defense. And then, as it seems like every single Andy Reid team does towards the middle to back half of the season, these guys wound up being a block in. They were able to find sort of their watermark, and from there, they were able to take things over. This is a Chiefs team that, overall this postseason, throughout their two games, they did wind up having just four sacks. Now, they've done a good job of being able to hold teams down. You wind up seeing that against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the game against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, that was just utter insanity. We're going to call it what it is. If we wind up getting a game that is half as exciting in the back half, I mean, for that matter, all the games that we wound up seeing last week in the NFL, I mean, those games were just absolutely terrific. I can't remember a set of games that were as good as the ones that we wound up seeing last Sunday. If we could get treated to half that, we are going to be in for an absolutely magnificent day. With that said, you just take a look at this Chiefs team, and I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job of being able to hold things down themselves. When it comes to the Chiefs, they were able to get 15 interceptions during the regular season with Matthew really being the headliner for this team. He was able to pick off three passes. Their team, though, that their 31 sacks was actually towards the back half of the NFL. I think that they're going to be able to get more than that average here against a Cincinnati Bengals offensive line that let's call it what it is. Has honestly been too terrific. But when you take a look at the Chiefs and their skill guys, what I think is going to be really interesting if you're taking a look at player props is just some of the ancillary pieces of this team because we have seen someone like Amico Hardman have his moments throughout the regular season towards back half of the season in that game against the Broncos. He came up very big, but in the last game against the Bengals, he wound up having one catch for 53 yards. He's very much a boomer bust guy. He wound up having a relatively solid week against the Steelers, being able to grab four balls there. He wound up having just one catch last week. So I think that you've really got to be targeting more of your marquee guys from this aspect, guys like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I did throw out there Clyde Edwards Alaire from a little bit of a ground game perspective. I think that he's going to be able to light it up. But I mean, you take a look at Kelsey. He's had at least one touchdown going back to the regular season in each out of the last five weeks. There's no reason to think that he's going to have much less than that in this game. I think that he's going to be able to find the end zone once again. I'd be taking a look at him anytime touchdown. 
I think that first touchdown is just a market that you don't want to be diving in unless you're putting on their pizza money just because the first touchdown is getting very specific. You could just wind up getting unlucky there. You could wind up having like some dude from out of nowhere wind up scoring the first touchdown. The guy that you thought was going to score, he winds up scoring touchdown number two, and then you're just SOL on that. But with that said, I do think that the Chiefs defense going to be able to do a good job in this game. I do think that you're going to be able to see a Bengals team that was a little bit better than advertised do a solid job on defense as well. I think that this total is set a little bit too high. The look at lines for this game had the total more around 51 to 51 and a half. Right now we're seeing 54 and a half. I know what I'm getting myself into when I take a look at the under, but I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. You wind up seeing it just so much in the NFL in general. Unders were able to reign supreme during the regular season. I think that we're going to see a little bit less craziness this week, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be able to make it back to the Super Bowl. I think that Patrick Mahomes is just Mr. Right now. I'm willing to lay the touchdown here with the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at the NFC game. Going to be giving sort of the same diagnosis that I just did for the AFC. That's on the flip side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Over there at VSIN, it is a new feature that gives you all the insights as to where the money and bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that VSIN is here year round to be able to make you a smarter better. Check out today's betting splits for every single game at VSIN.com. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Pearson. Right now, I'm not living up to my nickname of Oops because right now we're talking about the NFL because, well, if you haven't heard, we've got two very big games that are coming up on this Sunday. We've got the NFC and the AFC Championship games. So we've got to be breaking down both of these. Wind up giving out my take on the AFC in the first segment since that is the earlier of the two. We're going to be going with the NFC here. And then in the final segment, those of you guys who are looking for my college basketball pick with regards to DK Nation, I'm going to be giving that out as well. Hit up on it in the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to be refreshing that. Take a look at a couple other unearthed gems that we're going to be having 
for college basketball and just officially what I'm going to be on with regards to the NFL on the Sunday. But how about if we take a look at this NFC tilt as you've got the 49ers hitting the road, facing off against the LA Rams. The Rams are finding themselves as a three and a half point favorite. Draw this game, you're going to be finding it ranging anywhere between 45 and a half. I'm seeing a couple straight 46s out there as well. And it's a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I feel like this one, I'm rolling the dice a little bit less because I did wind up going under in the Chiefs versus the versus the Bengals game. You've obviously got two less explosive offenses in this one. And with the Rams, you do have legitimately a very good defense. That's headlined by Aaron Donald and company. I do think that these guys are going to be able to do a good job of holding down the fort against a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo. That, let's call it what it is. He has had his deficiencies at the quarterback spot. There is a big reason why he did wind up having the ball taken out of his hands pretty much in that game against the Green Bay Packers. He did wind up having that bad interception that you wound up seeing a little bit earlier in that game before the team was able to really bail him out in that game as it was just a complete and utter calamity what you wind up seeing if you are a Green Bay Packers fan like myself, but there is no money to be made with regards to your fandom. You always want to try to keep it neutral. And I take a look at this game. Big thing for me is that it might actually be the quarterback on the other side that creates the big turnover that winds up leading to this game being swayed. And that would be Mr. Matthew Stafford. Now Stafford was able to come up big in some of the late game situations against the Buccaneers. He wound up having that big pass towards the back half of the game in the final minute that allowed them to be able to kick that game-winning field goal. But when it comes to Matthew Stafford, last four weeks of the regular season, he wound up throwing a grand total of eight interceptions. Now, did not wind up throwing an interception in that game against the Buccaneers, but you could tell that the team was very, I don't know what the correct word to call it is, skittish, I think might be a good term. They wound up getting that big lead. You wound up seeing that just random snap that, Matthew Stafford was completely unprepared for. Now, I put that a little bit more on the center than anyone else, but you also had Cam Akers winding up having a pair of fumbles in that game. It was just a big, giant calamity as to what was happening with that offense. Now, Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. Nine receptions, buck 83 in that game. That was his best performance of the season with regards to receiving yards. But I know that Taylor, who wound up joining me in the first hour, Taylor Mathis does a great job over there at the Superbook. She's taking a look at an over of three and a half receptions for Tyler Higby. You take a look at him during this season, and he was darn near getting three receptions per game. You take a look at him a year in the postseason, and he had three catches for 46 yards in that first game against the Cardinals, four receptions in that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you want to go back a little bit further, Tyler Higby has really been able to come on strong for the team, had a little bit of a rough start to begin the season, but has now been able to give the team at least five receptions in now five out of the last six games that he's played in regular season or postseason. So he has actually become a relatively stable threat, which is a little bit strange because, I mean, we all know Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. We know that he's going to be able to get his. He is one of the most unguardable wide receivers that we've seen in quite some time. But, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is still there. Ben Jefferson, I know a lot of guys have been looking at as well. Now you've got Cam Akers as well, but having Cam Akers out there was more of a liability than anything else. I'm a little bit surprised that the Rams didn't wind up featuring Sony Michelle a little bit more because with Cam Akers, he had those two fumbles and he had 24 carries for 48 yards. I and mean, let's call it what it is. Sony Michelle would have done a little bit better job, and I feel like the Rams are sort of forcing him into action at this point. Does Mr. Akers have a little bit more talent than Sony Michelle? I do think so, but at the same time, you don't mess with Happy. You have a guy coming back after not playing for the entirety of the season, and I almost think that that is going to be maybe a little bit of a subtraction by addition, for lack of a better term, because typically you're, you hear addition by subtraction, but I mean, with Cam Akers, 
he's not really giving the team a lot why I would be surprised if they wind up giving him the ball as much in this spot because you also do have a team on the flip side in the 49ers that they do a good job of being able to bottle up the ground. But at the same time, when it comes to 49ers, this team does everything on defense well. This is one of the top teams at being able to get home to the quarterback. You've got Bosa and company in that front seven. You know what you're going to be able to get out of these guys. And then when it comes to just what you're able to get on the flip side for the 49ers offense, it is a big giant question mark as to what you're going to be able to get from guys not named Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has really become the ultimate Swiss Army knife sort of player. He wound up doing a solid job in that game against the Green Bay Packers of being able to alleviate the team both from a ground attack and an aerial attack as well. This guy has just been utilized in so many different ways. Now, I know that there's quite a few player props out there with regards to him at DraftKings. I know that there's a little bit of a special. I think that it's for him to be able to have both a rushing and a receiving touchdown. That's not something that I'd be entertaining personally. It is officially, then there's no no on this. It's only a yes. Debo Samuels have one plus rushing and one plus receiving touchdowns. The yes is plus $7. I mean, that's just something in which it's like, if you're going to be tossing money on it, maybe just toss on their five bucks just to have a little bit of enjoyment there. That's not something I'd be taking a look at legitimately just because for him to be able to have both of those, I would just probably be taking a look at two-plus touchdowns in general because if you need one to be rushing, you need to be one to be receiving, then you're just really rolling the dice there because if he winds up having two rushing touchdowns, you don't wind up getting there there. So that is something that I would not be entertaining personally, but the guy that I'd be looking at maybe a little bit more from a player prop perspective is George Kittle. This is someone that I think is going to be able to have a big-time eruption. He's still one of the best players out there in the NFL. I know that Dave Ross, who wound up joining me on the Greg Peterson experience yesterday, he's looking at this player prop. I mean, with Kittle, he wound up having just one reception in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. And you take a look at it, he's had four receptions or fewer in four of the last five games that he's played in, but we all know that the talent is there. He's been a little bit banged up. I think that he's due to be able to have a big-time eruption in this game with the 49ers. It's just a team in which I can't get there with the offense to be able to take them outright but I'm there with the defense to be able to take three and a half points. I feel like a lot of people are with me there. And when it comes to Rams, I just have trust issues with Matthew Stafford. I mean, you take a look at the last two games and he was terrific with regards to being able to take care of the ball in those. I mean, like I said, that Aaron snap, that is not on him. Cam Akers fumbling twice. That's not on him either. That's just guys around him doing a relatively strange job of being able to take care of the ball to save the least. But if I'm looking at a player prop in this game, I'm taking a look at Matthew Safford to throw an interception against this defense under the dress that he's going to be under, and this being a relatively big spot. I think that this is where you do wind up seeing him throw an interception. You're going to be finding the juice just fluctuating across the board, but I do think that you're going to be seeing him throw an interception in this one. So I'm certainly going to be taking a look there right now at DraftKings. At last check, he was right around pretty much the same juice over slash under on his interception prop. That's somewhere that I'm going to be looking. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo does not wind up throwing an interception in this game. Not because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to button up or anything like that. Just because I think that the 49ers might be like, you know what? We're not even going to try it here. We're just going to run the ball. If we wind up losing by a count of like 10 to three with losing the, with running the ball 57 times, well, so be it. We don't want Jimmy Garoppolo here trying to screw things up. His player prop is 231 and a half with regards to passing yards. 
The only place I'd be looking at that is the under. Once again, I'd probably be wanting to maybe take a look at a little bit of a lower number and just trying to reduce the juice there because I last checked, I was seeing the juice right around a minus 120 to a minus 125. So I want to be trying to get a little bit of a lower number, but at better juice just because I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to be going out there having a big game against this Rams secondary. But when it comes down to it, I do think that this is going to be a game that's going to be decided by a field goal either way. I would say more likely than not, the 49ers wind up getting the job done just because you've got a coach in Mr. Shannon who has been able to knock off the Rams six straight times. Each of the last three years, the 49ers have been able to sweep the Rams. When it happens once, typically you take a look at that and being like, okay, you wind up having one matchup earlier this season. Team X wound up winning it. Maybe it's a revenge spot for the team that wound up losing it. When it happens six times, it really is a trend. There's just something that the 49ers wind up doing that the Rams are unable to be able to account for. It's just the fact that Sean McVay, an absolutely tremendous coach, I think it's just maybe the smash mouth style of football that the 49ers do play that winds up getting under their skin. I feel very comfortable in taking the points here with the San Francisco 49ers. And when it comes to the total, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I think first team to be able to get to 21 wins in this spot. I think that you're going to see a relatively pedestrian effort from both of these quarterbacks. I think that Matthew Stafford is the one that's more likely to have the bad mistake in this game. So take a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points with the 49ers. Coming up next, we're going to be giving you guys some good college basketball action for this Sunday, looking at picks and analysis on that board right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the postseason. And then on to the championship weekend. We've got 56 hours of free coverage on VEASAN.com. That is all leading up to the sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make your plans now to join VEASAN's betting experts before, during, and after all the action right here on VEASAN.com. As it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got a lot of great action that is going to be going down this Sunday on running through the NFC and AFC championship games in the last two segments. I will be putting a little bit of a bow on it and give you guys what I'm on with regards to all these games with that in the final segment. Here in this segment, though, there's also money to be made on college basketball today in the final segment as well. Have no fear with regards to if you're taking a look at the DK Nation play of the day. Used to be with the New York Post. Now we're with DK Nation over there with our good friends over there at DraftKings. So we're going to be giving you guys that and we're also going to be taking a look at a few games in this segment that are going to be intriguing from a betting perspective in college basketball as well as we've hit on quite a few of these games throughout but we've got a power conference game that i have yet to hit on how about if we go 855 856 on the betting board got colorado going on the road facing off against washington state washington state is finding themselves a five and a half point favorite your tolerance game is 131 to 131 and a half depending on where you're shopping and this is a total that it's just too low to me. You've got a Colorado team that has been shooting right around 37% from three-point range in conference play. That has been one of the better marks out there. I recognize that it's a Colorado team that in non-conference play, they did wind up having a couple of hiccups when it comes to their scoring, but they certainly have been able to get things going. You've got 
Jabari Walker, who's the son of Sabaki Walker, who's able to give this team right around 14 points, eight boards per game. And on the other side for Washington, you don't have a single guy that gives you more than five and a half rebounds per game. You take a look at Washington, and they've been able to do a great job. They've been the top team in terms of Pac-12 play with regards to points allowed. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that they wound up giving up, I think it was like 29 points at one game against Arizona State. That winds up really influencing these numbers because Arizona State was just as cold as all heck could be. So that was not necessarily too terrific, but I do take a look at this Washington State team, and they were a team that I was very excited for coming into the season, and they've just been flat-out disappointing. You take a look at the backcourt, and they really don't turn the ball over a lot. They turn the ball over right around 12 times per game, so they've been fine there, but Michael Flowers, Noah Williams, along Tyrell Ghost Roberts, all these guys give you between 11 and 13 points per game, but you don't really have that one alpha dog score. You've got Flowers who's able to shoot 36% from three-point range, but I thought that they'd be a little bit more explosive than this. You don't necessarily have that one main ball handler as well, and that's why I think that this offense is sputtered. They're in the bottom 45 with regards to assists per game and assists per main bucket. They're even worse than that, so it's been a little bit of an issue for this team. They're shooting right around 75% from the free-throw line, and Andre Yagmovsky winds up coming in from North Macedonia. He's been seeing more minutes, and I don't understand why they weren't playing a little bit more. He's a guy with size that's been able to shoot 44.2% from three-point range. Does a good job of being able to space out of defense. Whenever he gives them minutes, it feels like good things happen for this Washington State team. Heck, he was prepared to be going to Loyola, Maryland before Washington State wound up saying, you know what, because we weren't able to get in a few transfers, we are going to allow you to get back into the program. But I don't understand why Colorado State has been able to take off a little bit more now or why Washington State has been able to take off a little bit more. Now, when it comes to going to Pullman, it is a really good home court advantage because you do have a place that is, we're going to call it what it is, a little bit more remote, a little bit more strange of playing in general. But I do think the Colorado is going to be up for the task. Evan Batty's been able to get this team 12 points, four and a half points per game. He shoots 40 or 45% from three-point range. We also had Keyshawn Bartholomew be able to step up for the team as well. He's an 11-point-per-game score. You've got a little bit more depth in general when it comes to the backcourt with Colorado in terms of the frontcourt. You do have guys like Moami Gay and company who have been able to do a good job for Washington State. I do think, though, that just with regards to sheer amount of possessions, this is a game that is going to be kicked a little bit more up-tempo. It's not like Washington State is necessarily playing at a frenetic pace by any stretch of the imagination, but they're right around 200th in the country. It shouldn't be signaling a total that is in the very low 130s. Colorado, they've been able to pump things up a little bit more themselves. They're coming off of scoring north of 80 points against Oregon, which I thought that that was a very good effort from them. They're right around 150th in the country. So you've got two average tempo teams here. I think that this total should be more in the high 130s to the low 140s. I wound up settling in on a total myself of a 139.5. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over here. When it comes to the spread, I want to say my spread at Washington State being a five and a half point favorite because it is tough to go on the road and face off against the Cougars in Pullman. But with that said, at five and a half, I would rather take five and a half than lay five and a half right now. Going to be waiting on a little bit of a line move if we wind up getting off of this and we wind up getting more like a four and a half to a five, then I'd be willing to side with Washington State. If we wind up getting up north of six, then it certainly is going to be a play on Colorado. A pair of teams that they shoot relatively solidly at the free throw line, Washington State, right around 74 and a half. Got a Colorado team that they're more around 73, 73 and a half percent. So both of these teams have been relatively rock solid. They're in Colorado, pumping up their offense with regards to Pac-12 play has me on this over as well. So we're going to be taking a look there. When it comes to the Metro Atlantic, you've got some very fascinating teams out there as you've got one of the better cover teams in all of college basketball. 
prior to what we wound up seeing on Friday, Manhattan was actually the number one team with regards to covering in all of college basketball. Prior to them not covering a few days ago, they were there, and now they're going to be looking to get up off the mat after they have failed to cover three out of their last five games. So we're going to go 847, 848. Monmouth is going to be playing us to Niagara. Niagara opened up a 10-point underdog. You're seeing them anywhere between 10 and 11 out here in Vegas at places like the Superbook where I'm at, Circa. You're seeing some 11s popping up as well. More on the East Coast, you're seeing more of the 10s with juice and your Toronto's game. It is 130 and I feel like the numbers are a little bit out of whack with Monmouth. Monmouth has been a team that has been able to do a solid job all season long and be able to put the ball in the basket. Shavar Reynolds along George Pappas. These guys are able to combine for in the neighborhood about 30 points per game. You've also got a guy down low that has been able to do a nice job in Walker Miller. Actually, the brother of Wes Miller. who's been able to give the team 14 points, 6 boards per game. And they're each other top 3 scores. Shoot at least 81.5% the free line. Monmouth is a team that has a collective. They shoot 78% the free line. But this is a Niagara team that they do a good job of being able to slow down games. They rank in the bottom 30 with regards to possessions per game. And they've got a guy that you might know as their coach, Greg Paulus. Yes, that Greg Paulus, who was a star guard over there at Duke for many years. He's done a nice job with this Niagara program in three years there. Now, Niagara, they're going to take their lumps on the glass. This is a team that they're losing the rebound battle overall this year by right around two and a half boards per game. But with that said, when it comes to this Niagara team, they shoot as a collective 73.8% the free line, and they might have the most versatile player out there on the floor. That'd be Marcus Salmon. 17 points, 4.3 boards, nearly three assists per game, shooting 40% from three-point range, and then past that, Jordan Sintron along Noah Thomason. These two guys combine for 20 points, and they combine to be able to shoot about 43% from three-point range. So there's a little bit more support around Hammond this year than there has been in the past. Now, this is a team that, like I said, they're not terrific on the glass, but Sintron along Sam Oreo, the transfer from both South Alabama and American, they both give you six rebounds per game. This is not a team that they're necessarily going to be erasing the ball a lot with a ton of blocks or anything, but... With that said, when it comes to this Niagara team, they do a relatively solid job of being able to guard the three-point arc inside. They're not necessarily the worst defensive team either. And when it comes to this Monmouth bunch, you do have a guy that's able to do a little bit down low in Nikhil Ruti. He's been able to give you right around seven rebounds per game. I like what he's been able to bring to the table, but I do think that this is a Niagara team that they're going to be relatively pesky. You've been able to get a little bit more out of guys like Rob Brown and Justin Roberts coming in off the bench for this team. They combine for about 11 points per game. You've got a guy in Brown who's now shooting 52% for three. Now, he only takes right around a three and a half per game, but he is a good sharp shooter for this team. I do think that Niagara going to be able to hang in this game as a result. And though Niagara is very slow, and you've got a Mammoth team that they're not necessarily Blazers either, both of these teams, they hit their free throws. Both of these teams relatively saw with regards to their offensive efficiency. I do think that it's going to come down to late game falling because I set my spread more around eight. As we know, when it comes to seven, eight point games with a minute left to go, you wind up getting the march to the free throw line. So I did wind up making this total 135. I'm willing to go over. And when it comes to Monmouth, made them an eight point favorite. So getting double digits here, very appealing on, on Niagara. I'm going to be taking a look at the points to go along with this total over. When it comes to other games that we're going to be seeing out there in the Metro Atlantic, one that really stands out to me is a team that has been very good to the over this year. 849, 850 on the betting board. Manhattan, with regards to overrate, north of 75% this season. They're in the top 10 in all of college basketball and percentage of their games that they've had go over the total. And this Manhattan bunch, they're going to be playing us to Maris. Maris is finding themselves between a point and point and a half favorite on the road. And your total on this game, you're going to be getting it anywhere between a 137 half and a 138 when it comes to Manhattan. 
I like them on the spread. I don't necessarily like their over in this spot. I feel like the numbers have caught up to these Manhattan totals a little bit too much because Manhattan, the big reason why they've been able to cash so many overs this season is that this team was complete and utter garbage at the free throw line in past years. We're just going to call it what it is. They were a team that year in and year out, they were shooting like 62, 63, 60% at the free throw line. Now you've got a Manhattan team that they haven't necessarily bumped up the tempo too much. They're a team, though, that they've been able to do a much better job at the free throw line, hitting right around 74% of them. And a big reason why is what you've been able to see out of a main guy that might wind up having a couple of injury concerns in this game. So we're going to be hitting upon that on the other side. Also going to be tying a ball around what I like here in the NFL on Sunday. And also going to be giving my DK Nation pick for this college basketball Sunday. All that is coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Join the playoff action with Supercuts Fantasy Super Series. Play for free fantasy football and basketball in this eight-part contest series and compete for a cut of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Supercuts now to get in on the action. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details as it is the final segment right here of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. But have no fear. We've got you covered all day long here on VEASAN. Going to be certainly diving in to these NFC and AFC championship games. We're going to have you covered wall to wall. Everything from point spread Sunday with our man Femi Obabefe and company all the way through the green zone. Dave Ross, who wound up joining me on the show yesterday, does a terrific job on there along with Wes Reynolds. And then once everything is over, you've got the opening line show with John Von Tobel. Matt Humans are going to be running through the Super Bowl. And then the look at with Scott Seidenberg. He is on the same time slot as myself, Monday through Friday, if you're out here on the East Coast. On the West Coast, it's more like starting very late Sunday all the way through Thursday. He's going to have you covered there. So we've got you covered wall-to-wall over here on the Sports Bank Network. And I have a nickname of Hoops, so we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of college basketball here as I was just talking about the Manhattan game that we've got going down against Maris. And it's a 
spot in which I think that the wrong team is favorite. I'm going to be looking at Manhattan on the money line as a point to point and a half underdog. And just take a look at this Maris team. And it's a bunch in which they're one of the worst teams at being able to dish out the ball in all of college basketball. Now, Jay Atuka has been able to do a nice job along with Ricardo, right? Both of these guys give you right around 14 to 14 and a half points per game. Both of these guys have been able to shoot, have been able to shoot solidly from three point range as well. You've got Ituka, who is able to shoot 46.5% from three-point range with Ricardo Wright, more around 40% from distance. And you do have a Maris team that they do get a little bit of free-throw shooting out of Ituka at 76.5%. You've got some Kelo Calais, who's been able to shoot 76% the charities, right? But among their top five scorers, those are the only two guys that shoot above 69% the free-throw line. So that is a little bit bad for this team. When it comes to Maris, what I was mentioning a little bit earlier with regards to assists, 357th out of 358 D1 teams in terms of assists per game. They don't do a good job of being able to crank up the pressure. 11 and a half turnovers per game. Now, you do have a guy for this Manhattan team, Jose Perez, who wound up leaving a little bit earlier in their game on Friday. So that is a little bit of an issue. He is a guy that has been able to lead the team with right around five and a half assists per game. He's been able to do a nice job of being the team's leading scorer as well. You may recall he was at Marquette last year, helped lead Gardner-Webb to the NCAA tournament a few seasons ago as well. The good news is he wound up getting ejected from the game. That is not a injury, so you are going to be all good there. So it is one of those cases in which if you're looking down like me and you're sitting there like, oh, you only played like fewer than 20 minutes in the last game. Don't worry, he's all good to go there. I wanted to follow up to see if there would be any sort of suspension. Just an ejection, so... We are all good there, but with that said, when it comes to Jose Perez, he has been able to do a good job of being able to get the ball to Ant Nelson. Now, turnovers are a little bit of an issue with Nelson. Three and a half turnovers a game, but he shoots over 40% from three-point range, and you've got good team rebounding. When it comes to this bunch, you've been able to get right around five and a half rebounds per game. Uh, Justin Roberts, who has been able to come in from St. John's, he's been able to do a nice job for this team. You've also been able to get a little bit out of Sambo Diala, who's been able to come in from UMass being able to give you right around four and a half boards per game. It's a man and team that has been able to do a better job of the little things throughout the season. So I do think the man and going to be able to get the job done in the spot. And I feel like bookmakers have picked up on how many overs we've been getting in Manhattan games. You've got a Maris team that they've never necessarily been a blazer. They've been picking up their tempo a slight tad. But with that said, when it comes to possessions per game for this Maris team, they rank right around 225th in all of college basketball. And then, a little bit above average with regards to their tempo, 131st, but we've seen this number be crashing down in the last three games. They have seen about four possessions per game fewer in their games in Metro Atlantic play in general. They always just tend to play a little bit lower. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I am going to be taking a look at Manhattan on the money line as a little bit of an underdog. When it comes to the DK Nation play of the day, I wound up going with Providence. Providence is going to be playing us to Marquette. This is a little bit of an added game as it was supposed to take place on Saturday, but you wind up having that big snowstorm ripping through the northeast part of the country. This is 857, 858 on the betting board. Providence find themselves a one and a half point favorite with your total between 137 and 138. And when it comes to Providence, I think that they're going to do a good job on the glass against a Marquette team that is 275th in the country with regards to rebound right now. You do have Justin Lewis, who has been on fire for this Marquette team, averaging 15 and a half points, right around seven and a half boards per game. He has been really one of the most underrated players in all of college basketball, in my opinion. And he does get a little bit of help from his friends as well. This is a bunch of which you really have two primary scorers and he and Daryl Marcel, but you've had Tyler Kolick be able to give you six and a half points right around six and a half boards per game. So he has been able to do a tremendous job. of will be able to help out this bunch. And you take a look at the flip side for 
what you're able to get out of Providence. They're a team that they do a relatively solid job on the glass. They don't have as many guys in the backcourt that are really able to go off, especially with A.J. Reeves being hurt. But A.J. Reeves did wind up returning to practice about two days ago for Providence. Whether or not he's going to be able to play in this game is a question mark, but even if he doesn't, Jared Bynum and his uptick in scoring is very big for this Providence team. Wound up scoring nine points or fear in six out of the first seven games of the season for the team. He's had nine plus in each out of the last eight games, so he has really been able to do a great job, and it's going to be needed because I mentioned it with Lewis. It really started, ironically enough, last time these two teams wound up playing against Providence on the 4th of January. In this time span of seven games, he's been averaging 19.5 points, eight boards, three assists, Steal and a half per game, shooting 48 and a half percent from three-point range. And the only blast that either of these teams have taken ever since January 1st was, ironically enough, Providence losing to Marquette in the first go-around. I do think that this is going to be a very good revenge spot for Providence. They did a solid job on the glass in that game. It's just a case in which you wind up having Marquette at everything, and you wind up having Providence in absolutely nothing but I think that Noah Horschler, a guy that shoots right around 42.5% from three-point range, is able to give this Providence team in the neighborhood about nine points, a little bit over eight boards per game. He's going to be able to have a big impact on this game. And when it comes to some of the ancillary pieces of Marquette, someone like a Greg Elliott who's been shooting 52% from three, I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression. Marquette has been shooting 40% from three-point range in Big East play, and they've been able to do a solid job on the road. They were able to sweep Seton Hall. They got that big win against Villanova as well, so... Give all the credit in the world to Shaka Smart and what he's been able to do here at Marquette on the early going. But I do think the Providence is going to be able to control this game. I think that they're going to be able to win from within. Al Durham has been able to give the team 12 plus points each of the last five games for this Providence bunch as well. And it's a Providence team that they do a good job of being able to play at a controlled tempo right around 290th in the country with regards to possessions per game. You've got a Marquette team that they're actually in the top 45 with regards to possessions per game. So they have been bumping things up quite a bit. They haven't necessarily been able to generate a lot of steals. And with Marquette, if you take a look at the entirety of the season, they rank with regards to points scored on a per possession basis on offense 160th. So it, it tends to indicate that there should be some regression to Marquette. Now, I do think that there's a lot of something when it comes to this Marquette team. I think that they're overall a solid team, but I take a look at just the advanced metrics and it shows that there should be some regression here for Marquette. And I have someone that I myself have taken Marquette quite a bit as a pretty sizable underdog. I do think that this is going to be a spot in which we do wind up seeing Providence be able to get revenge. It's not easy to go out there to the Dunkin' Donuts Center and get a W, and I don't think that Marquette is going to be able to do so on Sunday. So the DK Nation play is going to be Providence. I wind up setting them as a 5.5-point favorite. When it comes to total, set my total at 137. I do think the Providence is going to be able to slow this game down a little bit more. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot, and I am also going to be taking a look at Providence with that DK Nation pick. Now when it comes to what we've got out there in the NFL, not necessarily going to be diving into a lot of props. One that I'm going to be on personally, I'm going to be looking for the best juice humanly possible on this one, is Matt Stafford to throw an interception. I just think that it's inevitable. I think that the only reason why I'm not on Jimmy Garoppolo as of right now, it's just a no play for me whatsoever, is because I do have that fear that the San Francisco 49ers, they decide, you know what? We're just not throwing the ball today. They wind up doing what they wind up doing in the championship game a few years ago, and they have them throw it like seven times. So there's that. But with regards to my sides and totals, we've got one favorite and one underdog willing to lay the Chiefs as a seven-point favorite, and I'm going to be looking at the under of 54.5. I know that I'm playing a dangerous game when it comes to the under, but I do think that the Chiefs are going to be able to get home on Joe Burrow. I think that the Chiefs are going to try to look to establish a ground game a little bit more with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He had seven carries for 60 yards last week. I think that they're going to give him a few more carries. He looks to be fully healthy, and 
You've been able to have the Chiefs do a great job of being a little bit more multidimensional. And when it comes to that Chiefs versus Bills game, the only reason why that one wound up going over the total is because you wound up having just mass calamity at the end of both the first half and the second half. Other than that, it was actually a relatively tight game. Both of these defenses were able to play relatively solid until you just wound up having what wound up happening that caused for a whole lot of fun. So we're taking a look at the under and the Chiefs and then Taking a look at the Rams, getting three and a half points. Don't really want the money line in this spot just because I don't have a lot of faith in either of these offenses. I have a lot of faith in both of these defenses. I think that both of these teams are going to have a tough time scoring on the other. Like I said, with regards to player props, the one that I'm really looking at is Van Stafford throwing an interception. He had eight interceptions in the last four weeks of the regular season. So we're going to be looking under, and we're going to be looking at the San Francisco 49ers as well as we've got you covered all throughout the day here on VSIN. It is a big day of NFL action, and hey, You've got some college hoops action as well. Glad that I could be able to fill the void with that. We've got you just all throughout the day. Everything from in-game betting to pre-game to the opening lines of the Super Bowl. That is right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, as this has been the Greg Peterson experience. And we've got you locked and loaded here on VSIN. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 